Let us turn back now to the portion of scripture which we read together. First Thessalonians and chapter five. <clears throat> And we'll consider particularly the words we find in verse 3. But we'll read from the beginning of the chapter. <clears throat> but of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. But when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. This day which we read of, this day of the Lord, is before us. This day will arrive, and it will be a most incredible day indeed. Much has happened in history in this world. You think of the creation all those years ago. We read of the fall of man. Read through your Bibles, through the patriarchs. The history of Israel and into the New Testament. And you can read many history books as to church history since that time. But it all culminates. In this day, the entire decree of God, the plan of God from all eternity concerning this creation, culminates, ends on this day. History and all its particular events all draw to a close. And there will be no unfinished providences. There'll be no second chances to partake that which we did not finish in this world. This is the conclusion, the very end of all history. And of course, the date of this day is completely unknown. Many throughout history have tried to estimate. Some have even foolishly claimed to know it and have been made fools of as that never came to pass. But the reality is we do not know when this great day of the Lord will arrive. The Puritan said, there is nothing more certain than that the Lord will return and nothing more uncertain as to when. And we, of course, are told to watch for this day. We have to watch and be sober. The psalmist says, mine end and measure of my days, O Lord, unto me show. Psalmist also said, and so to count our days, that we, our hearts may still apply, to learn thy wisdom and thy truth, that we may live thereby. We are to live our lives with the knowledge that this day is coming. And of course, these Thessalonians were expected to know Paul expected this of them. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. You yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. Such were they 
taught by the apostles to watch by this day, that they did not need to be told twice. They were ever watching for this day to arrive. The fact is, dear friend here, all of our lives are defined by what happens on this day. No matter what comes to pass in your life or in mine, what matters is what happens on this day. It doesn't matter who you are, where you came from. This day is where your definition will come. The illustration has been given of that doomed ship line of the Titanic. Before it sunk, you had many different classes of people. You had the rich, you had the poor. You had those that were staff and those that weren't. They were just cruising. Many different backgrounds, many different ethnicities, languages, races, creeds, and colors. But at the end of the day, there was one list. Those that were saved and those that were lost. This is the day where we will be weighed in the balances. And our eternal destination is determined. What a day of joy this will be for the believer. If we are watching truly for this day, we will look forward to the day when the Lord comes to get his people. We see the saints gloriously raised, putting off their corruption, entering into glory. So shall we be forever with the Lord, as it says in the previous chapter. This day to the believer is the beginning of joy, peace, and uninterrupted, unending glory. When the Lord comes to finally redeem his people into heaven. But there's another perspective of this day. And that is those that are still unrepentant on that day. And that is the theme we'll take up this night. The ultimate end of unbelief. The ultimate end of unbelief. And we'll do so looking at verse 3 here in three headings. False security. Sudden destruction and an inescapable state. First of all, then, we'll look at false security. Verse 3, for when they shall say, peace and safety. The world as we know it today is striving for something that is called peace. How often do we hear, particularly in the news and other areas, the word progress? as if we're on a road to some great utopia defined by disbelief in God. That if someone holds to traditional Christian values, that they're not very progressive. The reality is we are not progressing anywhere but down. We know that this world is heading in the opposite direction to glory, peace, and happiness. The Lord, in Matthew's gospel in chapter 24, says something that so applies to our day. Then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. Iniquity shall abound. The love of many shall wax cold. There are many using the term 
love, tolerance, all such words, but they've emptied them of all meaning. And love of many shall wax cold. The sad thing is we even see this in many places in the church. The Lord also in Matthew's Gospel 24, where there shall arise false Christs and false prophets. As the prophet Jeremiah said, that they'll be preaching peace, peace, when there is no peace. We hear of a trumpet giving an uncertain sound. There's many preachers nowadays are saying all is well. Yes, things aren't perfect in this world. Nothing's perfect in this land, but all is well. We need not fear for this day. We need not fear death. All is well with your soul. Peace, peace, when there is no peace. We read of the watchmen in Ezekiel's prophecy. They were to be stationed on the walls of the city. And if they saw destruction coming upon the city, they would blow the trumpet to warn those citizens that were inside it. That was their duty. That's such an analogy of the gospel preacher. And you, dear friends here, over many years have had many watchmen in this pulpit. And you have not heard an uncertain sound. The gospel has been preached in purity from this very pulpit over the years. What is said of those that do not hear it? Ezekiel goes on to say, Then whosoever heareth the sound of the trumpet and taketh not warning, if the sword come and take him away, his blood shall be on his own head. Ministers in this congregation have striven, labored longingly in the studies to declare the gospel to lost sinners in this congregation over many years. And are you still stopping your ears to it? In many regards, their work has been done. The gospel has gone out. The warning has gone out. It is up to you to heed it. You hear it, but are you heeding it? On this day, when this day of the Lord comes, you cannot claim ignorance of the gospel. You cannot claim false gospel. You'll be held account for every word that was spoken in your ear in this very building. Is that not a thought for you tonight? A peace that some people say they have. And the safety that is also being spoken of. Perhaps people take solace in certain lies they may tell themselves. Maybe they think the Lord's delayed judgment. But the Lord hasn't judged yet. Like you say, we've heard over many years the gospel preached and we've been warned time and time again to repent of our sins. We're still here. The Lord hasn't judged us yet. Is this your thought? We just sung in Psalm 10 about the wicked. He hath said in his heart, God hath forgotten. He hideth his face. He will never see it. Maybe you're thinking, does God really care if I sin? I've been doing it for many years. 
how can these preachers be telling the truth if it seems I'm getting away with it? Or maybe just simply the Lord's delayed return. Read of scoffers in Peter's second epistle. And what do they say? Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. All things are as they were. Nothing has changed. We hear all these warnings, but where is the promise of his coming? I don't see any change in the sky or in the stars. Nothing telling me that the Lord Jesus is coming. Where is the promise of his coming? It's in the Bible's right in front of us. The day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. And what does false notions of peace and safety lead to? It leads to carelessness regarding the soul. Neglect of the soul. You think of the foolish rich man that the Lord spoke of. He had gained riches. And he said, let us build greater barns. Let us fill the land that I own so that I can produce more, gain more money. What does he say to his soul? Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. And that man, the man's experience, there was nothing to worry about. Indeed, the Lord had prospered him. But God said to him, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Am I saying that it's bad to plan the future? No. We need to do that. But not to the neglect of our souls. One day, our soul will be required of us. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast gained? But it says in our text, when they shall say, peace and safety. When they shall say. In other words, it's the very moment where they feel at peace and in safety, where the Lord will suddenly return. The Lord said, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. When it's the last possible thing on your mind, the Lord comes in power. But friends, it's on your mind now. The day of the Lord is coming. Do not enter into false security. Do not imagine outside of Christ, that peace and safety is all you need in this world. You need the Savior, and you need him now. So we have false security in the first place. Secondly, sudden destruction. Then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child. When this day arrives, all that we have ever known in this world, all that we call normality, is gone forever. Such will be the stark revelation of the Lord. We know the sky as being blue, the grass as being green, but all changes on this day. At the end of Genesis chapter 8, we have this saying, while the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, 
and day and night shall not cease. All these things that we see, winter is upon us now. It's normal for this time of year. But at the start of that verse, it says, while the earth remaineth. This day is the conclusion of such normality. We're told of the sun stopping giving its light. The one thing it's known for. The moon turned into blood. Stars, as it were, falling from the sky. We read in another place of the elements melting with fervent heat. This is not a normal day that we are used to. And the world, of course, as we know it, stopped in its tracks. There will be those rolling blasphemies of their tongue when the Lord returns. There'll be those going to their work as if it is another day when the Lord returns. The next day's newspapers will be being written when the Lord returns. Timesheets will be filled in. Pensions will be put Money we put into pension pots that will never be withdrawn. There'll be men studying for the ministry that will never be licensed because the Lord has returned before that day. Let us look for this day. We are, dear people here, continually on the precipice of time. In a moment, these things could become a reality for us. Deuteronomy chapter 32 says, Their foot shall slide in due time. We have that famous sermon from Jonathan Edwards who preached on that very text. Their foot shall slide in due time. The sermon was called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. A revival came from that. Such was his clarity of preaching. The people in the pews realized their situation. They knew they needed a savior. They needed to be rescued from this hand of this angry God. And they fled to Jesus. They fled to the savior from it. But on this day, what's true of those who are still unrepentant? Psalmist says, then suddenly thou cast us down into destruction. How in a moment suddenly to ruin brought are they? With fearful terrors, utterly they are consumed away. How sudden is this destruction? In the tick of a clock. In the tick of a clock. You realize that whenever you hear a watch or a clock ticking, count it as a sermon. It counts down towards this very day. We are given scriptural examples of how sudden these things can come upon people. The Lord himself brings up Noah. But as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. They were warned, the people around the ark, they didn't listen. And you can almost, as it were, see as the floodwaters come and the door of the ark shut, those realizing 
the situation they were in, probably clawing on the outside of the ark. But mercy was gone. The day of grace, the day of mercy was gone. The door of the ark was shut. You think of those in Belshazzar's feast. There they were drinking wine, celebrating and praising their gods. Daniel says, in the same hour, while all that was going on, we have that hand, as it were, coming and writing those words on the wall. Many, many, tekel, yufarsin. Fear came upon him, Belshazzar at that time, that it wasn't words of mercy that were written. He was weighed in the balances and found wanting. You think of that friend here tonight, if that writing was written on the wall beside us here in this building and it referred to you, how fearful that would be, such as this day that we're considering this night. And we have the sudden destruction and, of course, we have the Lord's sudden appearing. Described for us in the previous chapter in verse 16, The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. You think of the Apostle John. When Christ was in this world, it's described that John had his head on the bosom of Christ. Such was his love and affection for his Saviour. But upon seeing this same Jesus in Revelation, what is told? He fell at his feet as one dead. Such was the majestic sight that was before him. A friend of John can say that. And if that's true of John, how much more true is that of each and every single one of us? We describe one whose eyes are as flame of fire. Piercing into your very soul. Eyes you cannot hide from. And who shall be able to stand? You, unbeliever, if you're still unrepentant on that day, will be there with no mediator, no intercessor, nobody, just yourself. Malachi said, Who may abide the day of his coming? And who shall stand when he appeareth? We sing, do we not, the familiar words of Psalm 130. Lord, who shall stand if thou, O Lord, shouldst mark iniquity? But yet with thee forgiveness is, that feared thou mayest be. Well, this is a day where he will mark iniquity. And this is a day where forgiveness is not offered. The day of mercy is gone. For the great day of his wrath has come, and who shall be able to stand as you hear in Revelation. Suddenly the unbeliever finds himself or herself at the judgment seat where he will mark iniquity. And friend, I cannot stress this enough. We are perpetually but a moment from this place. We are on the precipice of time. Jonathan Edwards in that very sermon that we mentioned said it would be a wonder 
if some that are now present will not be in hell in a very short time before this year is out. And it will be no wonder if some persons that now sit here in this meeting house in health, peace and security should be there before tomorrow morning. This is serious. This is not a game. This is not a part-time recreation that you can just do on a Sunday morning or Sunday evening. This is reality. This day is coming. When you hear of those telling of this day, it's not to be taken in the same way you might take the weather forecast. Take it with a pinch of salt. This is coming. Unbelievers, repent before this day ever arrives in your existence. Sudden destruction. Thirdly and finally, an inescapable state. The end of verse 3. And they shall not escape. The time for mercy on this day is over. We read the beginning of Hebrews chapter 2. Let us hear them at this time. Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the words spoken by angels were steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Friends, there are many, many roads into hell. Many ways to get there, but there's not one road out. They shall not escape. We read of those also in Revelation on that day who will be praying to the rocks, fall on us. Hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. They'll be praying people that day but not directed in the right place, praying even to the rocks to fall on them, to hide them from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. And that shows, does it not, the despising that the unbeliever has for the blood of Christ. But they would rather be covered with the dirt that they came from than the blood of Christ. That is the only shelter from that great day of wrath, sheltered under the precious blood of Christ. That is the only covering provided for you. And it is provided in the free offer of the gospel now. But it is not provided on this day. You unbeliever, if you're found unrepentant, even on this day, on this day of the Lord, you will sooner pray for the rocks around this church to cover you than the blood of Christ. Solemn thought that that is. And some may imagine for themselves false escapes. We have the false escape of annihilation. There are those who believe that if you're, if you're still an unbeliever on this day, the Lord will simply annihilate you, stop you existing. You don't go into an eternal hell. 
you just stop existing. If there's a verse that condemns that idea, it's Revelation chapter 9, verse 6. In those days shall men seek death and shall not find it, and shall desire to die, and death shall flee from them. Seeking death and not finding it. Whether that's covered by the mountains or any other way, they will seek death and shall not find it. It's quite a remarkable thought that there may be those in that day that hurled themselves from a high point on this earth, and to their horror, they find themselves still alive at the bottom. Seeking death, not being able to find it. It's another false escape. Maybe there's something in God that we're missing. Maybe there's some sort of divine loophole that'll mean that I can go into that day as an unbeliever and still end up in glory. Maybe there is some kind of escape that we can have that doesn't involve coming to faith in Christ. I remember an unbeliever telling me once, right, I believe it was John Newton. It may have been John Bunyan, I'm not sure. But he had a dream one time that he was in heaven. And two things he said about that dream, he said he saw people that he didn't expect to be there. And he didn't see some people that he did expect to see there. And I remember thinking when that um, was told to me, well, I know what John Newton meant. But I got the feeling that this unbeliever was telling me that because he thought maybe John Newton saw that there was a loophole. That the people that he saw there that he wasn't expecting there were unbelievers. That there is a loophole that they got through to get to glory. I did, I did get that feeling. But there's no loophole, dear friends. The holy God of Israel, the one who is up to behold iniquity, will judge every sin for what it is. Maybe you're thinking, well, I'll be the exception to that. I'll be the exception to that. Yes, there are other sinners that will get their just recompense. They'll get their just desserts, but I won't. God will look on me and think twice. God is no liar. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And what, upon hearing or coming before this judgment seat, will ye hear? Depart from me, ye cursed, into the place prepared for the devil and his angels. Fearful thing to hear after all that you just experienced. And does it get any better? Certainly does not. You spend eternity under God's wrath. This sudden destruction that we spoke of in the second point is sudden in its arrival, but not in its length. Eternal destruction. How is this described to us? The blackness of darkness forever. Horrible words to even utter. We hear of unquenchable fire. How is it experienced? The worm dieth not, 
the worm of conscience. Your conscience, dear friend, if you're ever in that place, will remember every word of this sermon and every other sermon that you've ever heard. And you wondered why you sat unrepentant, even still. We hear of the smoke of torment ascending up forever and ever. We hear of not even a drop of water being provided for the rich man. Even just to cool his tongue, not even a drop of water. So a preacher in America, I believe, who said that in hell you would probably feel as it were, a gospel tract in your hand, and it isn't there. But you'll wish it was. What an experience that is. And is it brief? No, but it is eternal. Brooks said, The damned shall live as long in hell as God himself shall live in heaven. Thomas Watson said, The wicked shall be always dying, but never dead. This is it for all eternity. No parole, no retrial, just you and the wrath of God for the endless ages of eternity. Well, we are, of course, to think hard on the things which we're about to say as we have discussed these things tonight. Christians, first of all, we are to watch for this day. Watching for this day will make us more fired up for evangelism. It'll make us more diligent in our work. It'll make us more faithful to our Savior. Let us watch for this day. But ye, brethren, as the Apostle said, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. We live in a day, sadly, where the church is largely sleeping. So much so that this day might be unwelcome to them. Let us not be so. Romans 13, Paul says, Knowing the time, that now is it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. And dear unbeliever, we've heard a lot of hard things tonight. This has been as hard to preach as it has as it was to prepare. Because I had to enter into the mind frame of having no mercy. I had to prepare this in the context of that day when mercy is not offered anymore. That was hard. It was only hard because mercy is available. This day has not arrived yet. The gospel goes out to any who are willing to hear it. But remember that this day is indeed coming. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Shall be saved. Awake thou that sleepest. Arise from the dead and Christ shall give you life. Why will ye enter into this fearful day for the unbeliever willingly? Repent while it is still cold today, because this free offer, free offer of the gospel going out to lost sinners, is not indefinite. As soon as that 
voice of the archangel comes, that trumpet has sounded. The door of the ark is shut. That hand is written, writing on the wall. Mercy is gone. The final trump cuts off mercy to the unrepentant. But we are still on mercy's ground. Mercy is there. Cling to Christ today. Do not wait any longer. Final trump cuts off the mercy to the unrepentant. But you remember that there is mercy to the repentant, even tonight itself. May the Lord bless these thoughts to us this evening. Let us pray. <clears throat> Most merciful and gracious God, we have considered many difficult but true truths this night. And we, Lord, pray, O merciful Father, that they will be set in stone in all our hearts. Help us as believers here tonight to watch for this day, that we may be more diligent as Christians in building up and growing in grace and in knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And may those who are still strangers to grace and to God realize the impending day that is upon us and flee for mercy while it is still called mercy's ground. Go before us in our parting praise and pardon our sins, we pray. For Jesus' sake, amen.